Hello and welcome to the Rigori Podcast, the show that's as ill-considered and poorly thought out as Atalanta's tweets ahead of their game with Sassuolo. I'm Giancarlo Rinaldi, the frustrated Fiorentino, and I'm joined by the rarest of things, a victorious Venetian, my cousin Marco. Marco, how are you? Yeah, it's that it's that one time of the season where I get to be happy and you're miserable. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, although I think it might not be that uncommon <laughs> as we go forward. Well, you're, on the I think it might be because you're still needing us to win. So. Ah, that's true, that <laughs> is true. Yes, I suppose that's true, yes. I mean, I, our form's pretty terrible, but we'll get to that in due course. Um, but the, the first thing I wanted to discuss is Sunday night, as always, when we record, and the Derby de la Madonina has just finished the Milan Derby, and... I mean, I think we've we've lauded and praised the Sunday night games over the last few weeks, but I think from the, obviously Interisti won't care, but I think from the neutrals' point of view, it wasn't that great a spectacle this time around. No, it, it, yeah, as you say, these Sunday night games would kind of got, got into the habit of expecting spectacular games, and that certainly wasn't. It was, it was a very, um, I suppose it was more old school and a pretty dull game to be honest and I think if Milan had Milan improved in the second half but I still think if they'd got something out of that match it would have been a bit of a bit of a robbery um I don't know I I, I struggle with how different they are to last season um when it's largely the same set of players, um, yeah, they, they seem I mean, to be out, don't quite know what they're doing anymore. No, they, I mean they've obviously lost a few. I mean, I, I do think there's something in. I think we were both of the school of thought that they overachieved yeah. mm-hmm. last year, you know, and and that you know that this is more of a, a return to to form, if if you will. But still, the, I mean, the 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 rise and fall has been dramatic. I mean, particularly. Recently, in the start of this year, I think you know Milan's form is among the worst in mm-hmm. Serie A over the last four or five games. And then, it, what didn't help the spectacle was that Pioli seemed to decide to mirror Inter's yeah. formation, but with a really bad version of <laughs> yeah. Inter's formation. So, I mean, they barely touched the ball in the first half. I mean, and that that's a perennial criticism we have of Simone Inzaghi as well. That really Inter. The fact that that stayed 1-0 until the 95th minute, I mean, I know that, again, you know, Nerad Zuzi may well be pleased with that. There was plenty of people jumping up and down and singing at the full-time whistle, as as you would be if you'd won the derby against your most bitter rivals. But, you know, really, to not have been out of sight, particularly on the first-half performance, I think that said something about Inter as well, that it, it wasn't a great spectacle and... It wasn't two great sides, really. No, I, I think that's right. And, you know, I think the only person that would have been happy watching that, apart from Inter fans, is probably Allegri, because it's his sort of football. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, yeah, Inter could have pushed on and tried to win more. Milan in the first half were like watching Venezia in the sense that they couldn't create a chance if they'd stayed out there for even longer. But... Bringing on, I, like, there's some perplexing decisions going on, and I suspect it's to do with contracts and stuff. But you know, not playing Leao um, is just bonkers in my mind. That, uh, yeah, why would you leave your best player on the bench for a game like that? I mean, we don't know what's going on in the background. Obviously, there's been a lot of rumours of 
potential transfers away, and you know, and that that does destabilise a team, as I know well from the the Amrabat saga and Inter have had their own with Skriniar. Um, you know, so so maybe the players been angling for a move, and I, I can see in a sense that you'd want to try something different because the form's been so bad. You know, but uh, uh, you know, maybe with that, as I say, mirroring that formation so badly, maybe you couldn't find a place for Leao in it. But I mean, you know, I think it was clear that they were better. I mean, it was hard to be worse, to be honest. They they were better in the in the second half, playing a formation that they were more familiar with. But but like it, as you say, I get the sense of trying to change things. But I think what it does show it exposes what what we said last season which is that Milan's squad isn't very deep at all and obviously they've got a few players out injured as well which does make a difference and it's not a complete alibi for how they've been playing recently but you know when they they just don't have a consistent level of top player for me they've they've got a lot of players that you wouldn't be surprised if they turned up playing for mid-table Serie A sides you know and I think that is that is mirrored in their performances recently yeah, that that's the bottom line. I think there are a lot of players. As you say, I'm going to give them injury to Mignon has been bad news. Although, in fairness, I think Tatarusanu had one of his better yeah, games did, for yeah, for yeah, Milan yeah. tonight. I mean, there wasn't much he could do in the goal. He made a few. He made a few saves. But you know, there are other players missing. Players being sold. So, you know, it does. But I think, yeah, it's, it's it's as if these players were lifted for a season, and and you know now they've returned to their to their base form and, and I mean Pioli himself really yeah. in a way was raised for a, a season into something that he probably isn't you know a, a super coach or whatever you know he's a good coach I think and things just aligned right for Milan last year what, what's going to be interesting going forward is how you know they're a big club they look for sustained success as do Inter as do Juve can they achieve that they're not going to achieve it now but you know, the, the, and I quite admired what they were trying to do and thinking outside the box and buying these players that, you know, had been missed out. But will will these, you know, will the Kettler ever take off? Will will these risks that they've taken ever come good for them? And is it a a format that that can that can be successful going forward? I mean, I, I think the biggest hope I've had in recent times is be I Milanista, be I whoever a Serie A fan was the talk of some big, big investment in the league coming from America. Mm. And that might, because, you know, otherwise it's just going to be a monologue of English teams winning everything in Europe, I think, going forward because of the the financial. And Milan are a sort of a a pin-up boy, I guess, for for Serie A's difficulties in that regard, that they can't go out and buy the big players. And then, you know, their best players are going to be cherry-picked by others. Yeah, absolutely. But the trouble is that there aren't many players that big teams have got to cherry pick at the moment, apart from Leao, perhaps. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, they don't they don't have a lot, unfortunately, for Milan. That's the that's the hard part, as I say. And unless some of these new signings do really step up and do start to make a mark, then they they look, you know, the the form is poor, and they look a they look a mid table team, and there are, there are plenty of teams out there in much much better yeah, form that definitely. keep that keeps sweeping up the team. I mean, just a, a quick word for for Napoli again as we talk at teams in form. I mean another a, a good win again. I mean an expected win at Spezia. I do think it's quite a tricky 
place to go. I, I didn't realise until today watching it how narrow a ground it is. Yeah. And I looked to see it is about a full three metres more narrow than anywhere else. And I thought early on, I thought, you know, maybe this might stop Napoli. And it did, I think, a bit stop. They weren't quite themselves for the first half. But then they got a a handball penalty, which will be a theme of this uh, of this podcast. I mean, I, I, I hate handball penalties. I mean, I, I, I don't know, the guy sort of misjudged the ball and it, it, it didn't seem like anything deliberate, but it, it was quite clearly an arm and I suppose it did quite clearly. But that, that had the desired effect and then and then Spezia went into self-destruct mode where, where Ozymen managed to out-jump Drogovsky, even though Drogovsky could put his hands yeah. up. I mean, it was, an, it was. I mean, it was a good leap, but nonetheless, you'd think your defender needed really. They really imploded. But I mean, it was another step. Although Inter's win notionally keeps them, you know, in the hunt. I suppose at thirteen points now. But you know, the, the reality is that that Napoli are streets ahead and likely to carry on. I, I think it looks now a, a victorious procession, unless you know some disaster strikes them in Europe and as a you know, a sympathizer for the underdog that Napoli have been that I'll be making all sorts of Italian like gestures to ward off any of those sort of incidents because they, they thoroughly deserve oh, it now. They're they're by far and away the best team in the league. And um you know, on the form they're in then not only the league, but you hope they can make some some impact in Europe as well. Definitely. I mean, as you know, I think that what we've touched on with Milan about a lack of a squad. I think Napoli actually do have a bit of a squad. Yep. It's not. It's they're not world beaters, but they have got you know position by position players that can come in and do a do a decent job. And there's no doubt that you know if they lost Ozymen, if they lost Farage, Galia, Lobotka, you know they, these would be big blows. But they do have people that can come in and and help them out, assuming that you know the the absence is not. Is not too long, but from one from one handball penalty to let's go to another and let's get the miserable heart of this podcast out of the way and Fiorentina's Fiorentina's defeat to Bolo. I mean, really, I mean, it's a record breaking Fiorentina this season because I mean, last week managed to lose to Torino for I think it was the first time in forty six years or something that they managed to lose to Torino at home and now. That's back to back. The, the the home and away defeats to Bologna. I don't think have happened since the nineteen nineties. So, really, quite quite miserable, quite miserable stuff. I mean, it, it, it was just it's such a common theme. I don't know how much of the game you saw, Marco, but um, it was that old thing of having plenty of possession and then this handball penalty that uh, broke the deadlock where. Uh, it, it seems to me that like VAR was actually looking at something else and came up with this penalty because it was a goal line clearance. I mean, and the goal line technology, the referee pointed to his yeah. watch or whatever and said that there were two shots that uh, I think it was a one shot and then the Lewis Ferguson follow up header that was cleared off the line by Jovic, but in the ball spiraling up, it came down and right enough, uh, Barak's hand popped up. Between under the armpit, I think of a Bologna player struck the ball. The the, the penalty was given. I mean, I, as I say, to me, it, it didn't look very deliberate. I don't think. But however, that d- deliberateness doesn't really matter now. It was it was a handball. So there was the penalty and and one nil down. I mean, I don't. Did you see the penalty, Marco? Did you think yeah, it should but, be a penalty? Well, I don't know. It, honestly, the handball rules have 
confused me now as to what is. And basically, if it hits your hand, then it almost certainly is a penalty these days, and that's the end of it. But um, yeah, it, it's a difficult one. They keep messing about with the rule, so people aren't even really sure whether they're watching or, I suspect, playing the game. Um, and I agree, it's incredibly frustrating when you get these penalties given against you when there's no intent at all but the ball happens to have bounced off an arm that is sticking out. But it's often sticking out because the player is moving like a human being. It's running. I mean, it leads to these ridiculous things where you have to, as I say, if somebody can invent a strip that straps your arms yeah. to the sides the moment you step into the penalty box, it would be a base sailor because it would avoid us. Or we just go down line saying every time it hits the arm, it's a penalty. I, I don't know. As I say, you know, his arm was up. I mean, there's no doubt it was a, it was an unusual one, I think, in, in the terms of it. But I got the feeling that they were looking at the at the whether the ball crossed the line, although I don't know why they were looking at whether the ball crossed the line because I thought that was yeah. automatic, uh-huh. so it had bleeped. It certainly didn't seem to me a clear and obvious no. error because nobody in the Bologna team was claiming it. But anyway, as I say, you know, it wasn't it, it, it wasn't that undeserved. I mean, Fiorentina were pretty poor uh, in the first half. But then, you know, I, I tweeted about it being two teams that thought they could play out from the back but actually couldn't. And so they kind of gifted Fiorentina an equaliser through Saponara, who then had, I don't know if you saw this one, Marco, would have been a goal of the season contender where he hit the crossbar, an overhead kick ball came out to him. And he absolutely, I mean, he is a player, Saponara, who has amazing technique, brilliant skill, not oh, not the most athletic player, perhaps sometimes looks a bit slow and plodding. But he just, just inside the penalty box, coordinated himself perfectly for an overhead kick that came thumping back off the underside of the bar. And that that really, after that, the kind of the lights went out really and Fiorentina were were caught, went behind and then it was the usual Fiorentina after that. They just never looked like getting it. The flip side to that coin is Bologna who are actually in, you know, very good form. I, d- I didn't think they were breathtaking against Fiorentina but the the big man they've got up front, Zerkzy, who's stepped in for Arnautovic is doing a good job for them. Mm-hmm. And and considering they lost, you know, when I, I saw them when I was out in Italy and I thought Medel and Arnautovic were really the heart of that side, but they've actually come up with, you know, a, a decent formula. It's not it's not breathtaking, I don't think, but they're a good solid side and their form is their form is pretty good. I mean, as I say, so you know, whilst I'm miserable because Fiorentina's form's right down there with Milan. I mean, I think Milan, Fiorentina, Cremonese, the rest of the relegation are in, if you look at the form table, that's where it is. And that's why Fiorentina fans jeered the team off the pitch. And I saw Vincenzo Italiano saying, you know, the people were saying, Fatty, read it, you, you make us laugh sort of thing. You know, you're pathetic. And he took a bit of umbrage at that. And I mean, I think if I was a manager, I would take umbrage at that too, because he, he had just got them through to an Italian Cup semi-final or whatever but um, at, the, at the same time um, they're just they're terribly inconsistent and you know that one goal is about all they can score so obviously I mean to compound the situation Igor and Mandragora although Mandragora not a great loss both got yellow cards that mean they'll miss the Juventus game 
next week. But I mean, you know, so you're going to have next week a team that can say, only score yeah. one goal against a team that only wants to score one goal. So it's going to be a, quite a no, quite a uh, spectacle. Yeah, that. exactly. If you, if you're struggling to sleep, that might be the match for you. So I, I think it could be. I think it could be because I think we know the script of that yeah. one. That uh, Fiorentina will have a lot of the ball and Juventus will score one, and that'll be the end <laughs> of it. But so <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert on that one anyway But that's me being grumpy Because I'm in a bad mood But a man not well, in a bad b- mood Before we leave oh, Serie A yes, I just wanted yes. to mention If people haven't seen it To watch Vicario's amazing oh, triple yeah, save Absolutely An ex-Venezia keeper of course Yes, um, we're all the best ones are yeah, I believe yeah. um, But no, it was incredible I mean the first first save You could argue wasn't a great save Because it, no. it came back out to to give them a second chance but it was the third one that was the most it, incredible oh, scene <laughs> like he did a up. handstand to save yeah, it or something yeah it was almost it was almost as if he wanted to tee up some goalkeeping practice if you hadn't seen it google it is amazing i mean credit to roma sneaking up that that table but the saves by vicario empoli's keeper were amazing the first one as you see parried out but the second one was uh, i mean England football fancy Gordon Banks ace yeah, uh-huh. as he dived down to but the third one I've never seen the <laughs> likes of it before it was something I mean how much he meant it I, I genuinely yeah. don't know but he just found himself sort of his momentum had taken him down the way and so the only way to save it was with his legs that were thrust up in the air and yet he did it, it was absolutely yeah, incredible was. no he did yes well, well mentioned Marco because that was that was definitely a, a highlight a highlight highlight of the weekend in, in Serie A uh, but let's now dip down into into Serie B and, and Venezia's role as a uh, Cannavaro killers um, I mean how how did that how yeah. did that game we go are, Marco? We are so bad that if you lose against us you're automatically sacked as a manager <laughs> but, no, um, obviously uh, I've, we've spoken about all the changes we've made I think there were 29 transfers in and out of Venice in January, most of them in the last week. Um, So big changes in the team, a whole new defence largely. uh, But um, I have to say it was a much improved performance. How much of that is down to Benevento not being very good? I I suspect quite a lot of it. But in Poi and Paolo, we have a striker who is a good Serie B level striker. Um, and that, that Marco, that the goal he scored was a Serie A level goal, though I would say this weekend. I think that was a beautiful finish. Oh no, it was a great finish, and it was actually off a cross of Candela, uh, uh, who who is one of the most frustrating fullbacks in the world because he can never cross. And you could argue he didn't really do a good cross there, but it was a it was a lovely finish. Um, no, I, we went ahead deservedly. Um, then frustratingly, the stroke of half time. Our defence messes up, and they score off a corner. Uh, after giving them a corner, we didn't we didn't need to give away. And you think it's going to be the usual story, but actually in the second half we pushed on and we we got that we got that winner. And then we sat back a bit towards the end, which is always a danger. But fortunately, they weren't able to do very much to to cause us trouble. So you know, it's a vital win in terms of um, the relegation thing. You look at the Serie P table again. We're two, three wins off the playoff spots, even though we're still in the in the in the uh, relegation zone. So, you know, it, it's all it's all to play for, absolutely. And while I think 
there could still have been improvements in the way that we conducted the transfer window. Um, at least we've bought players that largely know Italian football and I think a few of them have played together before so that'll help them all integrate. And um, it, yeah, it, it, I think there was a huge thing of having too many players from that horrible run in Serie A starting the season in Serie B and then going on the same run. Um, and it was just a sort of mental thing. So maybe a clear out is what was needed, um, and hopefully it'll it'll continue. And 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 one World Cup winner down, and another one to go next weekend. I think it's Spal coming up next weekend. Yeah, yeah, they that's a, another Spal, huge so, game in terms of yeah, the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because they they had a a ding dong battle, but lost out. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, and that that's obviously left them. This weekend's game, that was a four-three thriller with with Barry um, and and Raja Nangolan finding the net for them there as well, and you know that that was quite a quite a performance. But it leaves them. I don't. I don't think. I get the feeling that while Cannavaro's peg was uber sugarly at, at Benevento, um, I don't think it's quite the same with De Rossi. They seem to have bought into it longer term, although. As I say, it could be that, you know, you do get these runs. I remember, um, I'm sure Queen of the South had a run of these games where people just think, oh, you got beat by that junk, you've <laughs> yeah, got exactly. to go, you know exactly. what I mean? It's just it's it like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's Taco Pina, our old owner, that obviously owns Spal, and I did say on an earlier podcast that he tends to be quite loyal to his managers, and I think the fact that they bought um, Nyanglan who largely only went there because De Rossi's the manager, I suspect they'll give him a bit more time, even if they do lose to us. But it would be, certainly, I would like to test that theory by, by winning next weekend. <laughs> that would be a good, yeah. that would be a good, that would be a good thing to, and I mean, the other thing from Serie B really was just looking at that, I mean, in a way, Frosinone, um, having said that, you know, teams had hit form and started to close the gap, yeah. they now look like they're going to do a, do a Napoli potentially yep. and and win that league with some with some comfort because all the others, the the, the Genoas of this world. I mean, I think we could we could easily argue that Sud Tirol are one of our one of our favourites of the podcast and about the are about the most informed team of the of the chasing pack. But what it's done is given Frosinone a, a, a gap of about eleven points. I think now for Fabio Grosso's side. So you know he's certainly. Of all the of all the World Cup winners, well, one's one man down now with Cannavaro getting his well, the, the, the orders, gap, but the it, uh, the gap that they have at the top of the table. If we were to close an eleven point gap, we would be in fourth place. So, <laughs> so that tells that, you a lot about Serie B. That, that is the nature <laughs> of the league, isn't it? I mean, that's what does make it. It does make it exciting every week, really. As is the other that Frosinone do seem to be. Um, finding the form to kind of to get the results week in week out, but that and and that relegation battle, you know, is incredible because you were you know disconsolate yep. last week, bottom of the league, and yet with one win you've leapt away from that, mm-hmm. and with, with another win you could be, as you see, harbouring thoughts of harbouring thoughts of the promotion playoffs, which is just 
crazy, but let's not get too carried no, away. No, let's, let's, <laughs> after one win, let's say, just see how it goes. Yeah, exactly that, exactly that. But anyway, that that brings us to the end of the of the pod. It's, it's a, as I see, a bit of a drab Milan derby, but maybe Milanisti. Well, I don't think Milanisti. Maybe Interisti would want to get in touch and tell us tell us different that it was an absolute cracker. But um, otherwise, we'll be back next week. Please let everyone know that you've enjoyed listening to us, or even let them know that you haven't enjoyed listening <laughs> to us as long as they listen that's all we that's all we ask and uh, and we'll be back we'll be back next week with more nonsense from Serie A and Serie B yeah speak to you then <laughs>